All right. Hey, go ahead and grab a seat. My name is Caleb. If I haven't met you before, I would uh, love to do so. As Sarah said, it is uh, True Life's fifth birthday, so we are excited to be celebrating five years as a church, five years of what God has done in and through this community. We are excited to, to celebrate and uh, happy if, if this is your first time here or one of your first times here, we're happy that you would join us for our birthday party and uh, stick around afterwards. We're going to have a big fun uh, party, food trucks, bouncy houses, all, all that good stuff, and, uh, and, and we're excited for that. So happy New Year. It is a, it's a good to be with you this morning. And during, during kind of New Year season, no matter kind of who you are, even if you're kind of anti-resolution person or you're a pro-resolution person, it's, it's kind of in the air, the excitement of a new year, a new kind of leaf, uh, a new kind of time beginning. If you uh, look at kind of the, the statistics, the top New Year's resolutions for 2019, the top one, 71% say diet or eat healthier. So some of you, maybe you're already like it's only been a week. You've already lost 20 pounds. Who knows? You're already like, man, I'm, I'm doing it. And then, and then you come to true life and we're going to give you a bunch of candy and food. And you're gonna be like, this is not fair. Why did God do this to me? Um, diet or eat healthier, exercise more, lose weight. Those are kind of all the, the top ones, uh, save more, spend less. That, that's uh, that might be a new, uh, goal for you this year. Learn a new skill, hobby, quit smoking, read more, find another job, drink less alcohol, spend more time with family and friends, which is sad that that's the bottom once. Like, you know, I just want to be in shape. I don't care if I have friends. I don't care if I have a family, but I just want to be in shape. Uh, only 13% want to spend more time with their family and friends. Maybe their family and friends are the one feeding them. So they're like, get away from me. Uh, this is the, the top New Year's resolutions that people have in 2019. And uh, we, here's a, from Inc. This says that 60% that of us make New Year's resolutions and only about 8% are successful in achieving them. So sorry to be the uh, Debbie Downer in your life, but only 8% percent of you are going to make it. And that's uh, what this says. So uh, 60% of us make New Year's resolutions. Now, now here's the reality. In 2019, a, a lot of people, and I've kind of gone in waves, a lot of people are like, man, I'm going to make my resolutions. I'm all about that. And other people kind of feel like, no, I'm not, I'm not into New Year's resolutions. And even the people that are kind of anti-resolution, though, they're still making resolutions. Like I read some blogs that say, no, it's not New Year's resolutions. It's New Year's habits. So here's the habits you should have. Or it's not New Year's resolutions. It's New Year's hopes. So here's the hopes that I have. Or it's not New Year's resolutions for me in 2019, I just really want to make sure I'm spending time with my family and spending time with my friends and, and doing this. And so the, no matter where you are, and I know kind of some people feel hostile about it and some people feel excited about it, whatever. I mean, I, I know there's kind of different opinions, but no matter where you are, here's the reality. We all are kind of feeling something in 2019 as it kicks off, some sort of spirit in the air of something could be different about my life. Something could be better about my life. No matter where you kind of fall on that, are you going to make New Year's resolutions or not? We all kind of feel this, this feeling in 2019 of life can be better than it is now. That there's areas in our life that we want to experience change, right? There's areas in our life where we say, it's kind of like this now, but I, I think it can be different. It's kind of like this now, but I, I want to see it change. It's, it's kind of here, but I want to move from where I am to this, whether that's a different weight or more friends and family time or certain habits you want to get rid of or start. There's kind of all that stuff is in the air that we know intuitively life can be better than it is now. Life can be more than it is now. Life can be stronger than it is now. So let me just ask you, what kind of life what kind of life do you want? 
And that's a really broad question. So maybe we should bring it down to earth a little bit more and say, what, what's the kind of job that you want? The kind of work-life balance or just work-life as a whole that you want? Or what's the kind of marriage that you want? What's the kind of friendships that you want? What is the kind of faith that you want? The kind of emotional life or kind of mental health that you want. There's all these different things that we say, I'm here now, but I know it can be better. During the new year time, that is what we know. That is intuitive, that we feel, that we hope, that we want, that we believe life can be more than it is now, that we can experience in every single area of our life strength, that it can move from here to here, that you can have stronger friendships than you have now, that you can have stronger marriage than you have now, and a stronger faith than you have now. You can have a stronger, just emotional well-being than you have now. We, we know that. And that's kind of the spirit of the new year that we all begin to experience. Now, how do we get that? Normally, the way that we get that, normally we get, normally how we kind of get from here to, to a little bit stronger in some area in our life, normally how we get that is from listening to someone, from following someone. So if you want to lose weight, you, and that's like a big kind of top goal for you, you probably don't just say, okay, I'm going to do it. You probably ask some friends that have lost weight or you probably go on, you know, Google and start Googling keto diet or paleo or whatever. You kind of listen for experts to help you so you can say, I'm going to submit to them and follow them because if I want to move from where I am to where I want to be, if I want to experience my life getting stronger in some areas, then what I need to do is listen to people that are experts I need to submit myself to those that know more than I do. And that's true with every area. Maybe it's you really want to work on your, your marriage or your family life. Or, and, and so you say, okay, I'm going to read some books on that. Or I'm going to read some blogs on that. Or I'm going to talk to some people about that. So normally, maybe it's even just, man, I want to travel more. So you start going on travel blogs and you start looking at whatever it is. When there's areas that we want to experience strength in, what we do is listen to someone. We follow someone. We submit ourselves to someone, and that can be some sort of expert that we take advice from, or it can even just be ourselves in some areas. In some areas, we just say, you know what I need to do? I need to stop listening to what everybody else says, and 2019 is the year of me. 2019 is the year where I just say, from now on, I'm going to do what I want to do. From now on, I'm going to listen to my heart. From now on, you know what I want to focus on in 2019? I want to care less about everybody else's expectations. I want to listen to me and the desires and the focus that I have for my life. But, but whatever it is, if, if you want to experience kind of strength in your life, you want areas to improve, you want them to get stronger, we listen to somebody. We submit ourselves to somebody, be it experts or even our own self. And here is what happens. Who you listen to. Who you listen to is who you become. That's true in so many areas in life. But the voices that influence you is the life that it produces. Who you listen to is who you become. 
I was watching TV with my, my kids, the Broncos game. We don't watch normal TV like, like uh, that. Uh, they didn't, I mean, they don't even know what commercials were. They're like, what is, what is this? Why can't I? My son was like, hey, I've got to go to the bathroom. Can you pause this? I was like, no, this is not Netflix. You can't pause football. Let me just get on the coach. Let me get on the phone with the coach and tell him, can you pause the game? My son has to pee. Uh, so, but, but I was trying to explain commercials to them. And I was saying, look, they're trying to sell you certain things. My kids are 10 and, and 8, so they're, it's not, you know, but I'm trying to teach them early what commercials are. So I'm saying, look, they're, they're trying to sell you things. They want you to buy things. So we're trying to guess, what do you think they're trying to sell you? You know, what do you, what do you think it is that they're trying to influence you with? What do you think it is that they want for your life, for your spending? What do you, what do you think it is that they want? And, and we're kind of watching all these different commercials and trying to help them see, hey, look, they want something for you. They're trying to influence you. You don't even necessarily need this. So commercial comes on about a truck. Like, hey, do you, what, do you, what do you think they're trying to sell? And she's, my daughter's like, oh, it's a truck. Yeah. And she's like, I don't need that. I don't want that. And I was like, okay, good, 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 okay, great. Okay, then another commercial comes on for like ESPN package or something. What do you think they're trying to sell? She has no idea. It's like, well, it's a sports channel thing. I don't even know. Okay, it's some, they're trying to sell you more sports. You know, and, and she was like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. Okay, good, good, good. And then a KFC commercial comes on. And that, it was over. You know, it's just like this. I don't even, I've never seen this. It's this gravy boat, double loaded cheese bacon bowl thing. Maybe some of you have, maybe that's why the New Year's resolutions are <laughs> stop eating again. Like, what do you think they're trying to say? You know, and, and she's just like mesmerized, looking at the gravy flowing. She's like, I, I do need that. I want that. I was like, no, and they've won, you know. And that, that is what commercials are trying to do, right? Commercials are trying to influence you. Commercials are trying to sell you with the trucks or ESPN or diabetes or whatever it is they're trying to sell you, right? They're trying to sell you stuff. They're trying to influence your life. And that's true every area around us. Listen, the, the voices that we listen to is who we become. The voices that we listen to is who we become. And with commercials or other things or books or blogs, or there's a lot of competing voices, right? There's tons of competing voices. It's not just that there's one guru that everyone kind of goes to, no matter what your issue is, and you kind of say, okay, I want my marriage better, I'll listen to you. I want my family better, I want my weight better. There's a lot of competing voices and competing ideologies that we have to sort through. And when we come to church, when you come to the Bible, when you come to God, God is often just another competing voice in the sea of voices. God is another competing voice that we, look, we say this, I want my life to be stronger than it is now. I want my relationships. I want my emotions. I want my finances. I want, I want my life to be stronger than it is now. And there's all these voices out there and we have to assess who do we listen to. And when we come to God, church, the Bible, it's enough, look, I'm not, I don't assume that everyone's like, well, God's the voice I listen to. We, we come and that's another voice. It's another voice that we have to kind of assess and go, do I want to buy into that? Do I want to let him, do I want to let the Bible, do I want to let kind of his community influence my direction? It's another voice. And look, maybe you're not a Christian and you're here today and you're like, I'm going to give it a shot. It's 2019. There's a party. What the heck? Why not do it? You know? And so you're giving it a shot and that's great. I, man, I applaud that. That's brave. That's courageous that you would, that you would say, I'm going to give God a shot in 2019. Why not? Okay? And so you've got to assess, right? You've got to check out. You've got to say, do I, do I want to let this voice be the voice that's leading my life? And you're not sure, and that's fine. Or maybe you're somebody that's evaluating. Maybe you have called yourself a Christian. 
Maybe you've even been a part of this church. Maybe, maybe you are coming back to church for, and you haven't been in a long time, but you're kind of evaluating. Okay, I've, I've kind of been in the Christian camp. I kind of said that was my position, but do I really want his voice to, maybe things have gotten harder. Maybe kind of decisions have gotten more challenging and you're evaluating. You're trying to decide, do I still, maybe you're on the fence. Do I still want this voice to be the voice that I let lead my choices? I want to be stronger than I am now. I want my relationships, my life, my finance. I want, I want it to be better than it is now. Do I, do I still want this voice to be the voice leading me? Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe, maybe, you've been, maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're familiar with all of this stuff. And yet, if we're honest, I think we can all be honest. We can say, look... Yeah, there's still a lot of voices in my life. Even though I'm, I'm planting my foot, yeah, I'm a Christian, that's where I'm at. It still can be, is that the voice I really want to let lead every area of my life? Do I really believe that if I let this voice lead me, that will lead me to the stronger life that I want to have in whatever goals and hopes and desires I have for 2019 and beyond? So we have to ask ourselves, as, we, as you, you're here today, right? You're at church. We're going to open the Bible. We're going we're gonna to listen to what the Bible says, what God says. You gotta, we, we often got to say, why do I want to listen to his voice? Why him? I want a stronger life. I want things to be different than they are now. Why his voice? And the book we're going to look at in the Bible that we kick off today, this, this new series, is a letter written to a man named Timothy. So Paul, who was a pastor and a church planter, one of the apostles of Jesus, he started many different churches. And one of his close associates is a man named Timothy, who was a pastor. And this is a letter we're going to look at where he writes Timothy. This is about 30 years, 35, somewhere in there, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Timothy is a pastor in a city called Ephesus. And Paul had founded this church as he had founded many different churches. He had begun it. He had gotten it started. It was, it was there now, right? It takes a lot of work to get a church started. And Paul had gotten the church started. People said, okay, we believe we're in. And a community was forming. And it had been going on for a while. And Timothy is the pastor there now. And Paul knows he's, his time is kind of coming to an end. His time is coming to an end. And he's not going to be around that much longer. But he didn't want the church to just exist. He didn't want it to just get started. He wanted it to be stronger than it was. He didn't want it to just begin. He wanted it to flourish and thrive to what it could be. And so we open this letter today looking at really Paul's instructions to a pastor. Paul's writing to another pastor. And we look at his instructions for Timothy. Whoa, watch it. I've got to get more balance in 2019. That's my, that's my goal. We look at Paul's instructions to Timothy saying, here's what it looks like for the people in your church to have stronger faith, stronger family, stronger friendships. Here's what it looks like. And he writes to them. So we're going to open this letter together, and we're just going to read a couple verses today. Just really the introduction, but there's so much in this that we will look at that helps us answer the question, why should I listen to, to God? If I want a stronger life, a better life, if I want that, why even consider him? So here we go. First Timothy, Paul, so he's, he's telling, this, this is who he is. He's, most people at this time, you start off the letter, just you're introing, this is, this is who you are. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus 
by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here's the, here's the beginning question. If, you, if, you're trying to say, if you're trying to say, do I want to let God be the one that influences my life? Do I want to let God be the one that I entrust Hey, I want a stronger life. I want a better life. I want things to be different. Do I want him to be the one? You got you to start with just who is he? I mean, that's a really important question. Anytime we consider listening to the voice of another person, we have to ask, who is this person? And I don't want to assume that we just go, oh, well, it's God. That's the person. Because most people believe in God, but there's many different ideas of God. There's a study done. This is from April of last year. It says, when Americans say they believe in God, what do they mean? Nine in ten Americans believe in a higher power, God, but only a slight majority believe in God as described in the Bible. So think about that. Most people believe in God. Most people that you talk to are going to say, yeah, I believe in God, or you know, I know something is bigger out there, or the universe, or there's something outside of just what we can see, the material world. Most people believe in that. But that doesn't mean that they believe in God as described in the Bible. So when I'm even saying, hey, you should let God influence you. You should let his voice be the one. Who are we even talking about? Who who is the person that we are even beginning to talk about? If you're going to listen to somebody, if you're going to listen to someone and let them influence your life, you have to know who they are. You've got to be able to trust them, right? This is true with just anything in life. If you're going to read a book, a lot of times you'll look at the, the bio of the author and go, okay, if I'm going to read this you know, weight loss book, but the picture on the back is like, well, maybe I shouldn't read this book. Or you look at, hey, I want to read a marriage book, and the person's been divorced four times. And you're like, I don't know if I want to take their advice. Like We usually look at the bio of things. Or if you're going to go on TED Talks and you want to listen to the TED Talks, you're like, what, what, what is it? You might look at the bio and go, what do they have to, who is this person? Where are they a professor? What book have they written? What study did they do? Because if you're going to let a voice influence you, you want to know who they are. What's their credentials? What's their character, right? So who is God? Who is God? And we, we, have, to let, we have to let God define himself. Versus just saying, well, yeah, I believe in God. There's some sort of God out there. 90% of people say that. Who is he? And Paul gives us four things of who God is in this short little introduction. He says, look, I want you, I'm going to write this letter. I want people to experience life the way God intended it to be. Let me tell you who he is. And here's what he starts with. He says that he is God, our Savior. Savior. Now, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot in Christian circles, if you were a Christian for a while, you kind of have heard this. And, I mean, Jesus is my Savior. Or, you know, he's my Lord and Savior. I mean, these kind of terms get thrown around a lot. But Paul says, look, I want you to know who God is. Before you begin to listen to him, before you begin to let him lead you and influence you, I want you to know who he is. And here's who he is. He's a Savior. Now, Savior is past tense. That's saying he did something. It's saying something happened in the past that God did. Now, listen, there's different versions of God out there. There's a lot of different versions of God, but one of the unique things about Christianity, one of the unique things about the message of the Bible, about the God that he claims to be, is that he is a savior. That he's a savior, which means this. It's not about what you do. It's about what's been done for you. Savior means this. My acceptability with God, my, my worth, my value, my acceptance is not inherent. Savior means that God actually says, 
I'm coming to you, and not based on your acceptability, but because there's something wrong, and I'm going to save you. I will make you mine. I will do something for you. You see, what many people believe is that God is up there and we're down here, and the only way to kind of bridge that gap is I got to do a good job. I got to really, I got to really, man, I, God, I love you so much. I believe in you so much. I'm trying so much. I'm, there's something in me that I'm trying to say, okay, look, God, I'm acceptable to you. Savior is the opposite, which is a very, Christianity, it's a very unique idea that says, no, God actually comes down to us. He says, there's something wrong with you, but you don't have to fix it. There's something not okay with you, but you don't have to solve it. I am Savior. My role is to do something for you, to do something to you. That's where Paul starts. He says that God is Savior, something that has happened in the past. And then he says this. He says, of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Our hope. See, he's, he's wanting you to see and fill out your idea of who God is. Not just generic God. Yes, I believe in some higher power. He wants us to have the accurate version of, here's who God is. He's a savior, and he's Jesus, your hope. And what does that mean? Hope's kind of a weird word. Because usually when we use the word hope, we use the word hope in kind of a I wish manner. Like, I wish, I hope, I hope I'll get a second date. I hope I'll get a third date. I hope I'll get any date, right? Whatever, whatever it might be. That I, I wish, I hope. Or it might be, I hope, you know, that they do a second season. I hope they don't cancel my favorite show. I hope Netflix puts friends back on. I hope, I wish, right? I hope, I wish that things will get better. It's usually kind of this, it's a wish thing is normally how we think about hope. But in the Bible's language of hope, hope is something very different. In the Bible, hope is a confidence. Hope is not, Savior's past tense. Hope is future tense. Something's going to happen. But hope in the Bible is a confidence. It's I am confident that God is going to be good to me. Hope is I am assured. I know. I believe. I have hope in the fact that no matter what the future holds, I know that God will be good to me. Hope is I might not know what is going to take place. I might not know what's going to come. But hope is I know I'm confident that you will be good to me. That's what hope is. It's very different from just I wish or I, I really you know, hope that it takes place. It's a confidence that my future is guaranteed because of God. That my future is guaranteed because of Jesus, like Paul says. So here's what this means. When you face a difficult week, when you look at your bank account, when you're anxious or stressed about what might happen, when you're not sure how it's going to play out, right? Maybe this is on your mind today. Maybe it's on your mind for this coming week. When you're not sure how things are going to go down, hope is I'm confident my future holds him being good to me. Hope is my future holds him being good good to me, that in every difficult conversation, hope, that in every sin that you wrestle with, hope, that in every relational difficulty that you are struggling with, hope, that in whatever kind of confusion and questions that are still unresolved for you, hope, 
That is what hope is. Hope is I know that my future holds him being good to me. That's what hope is. And you don't know how it all plays out and you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you know I've got one who is going to be there for me. I've got one who is stronger than I am. I've got one who I can count on. Hope is that. Hope is so much different. And Paul is saying, look, I want you to know who God is. If you're going to put your trust in him, if you're going to let his voice lead you, here's what you need to know. In the past, he's Savior. In the future, he is the one that is your hope that you can count on no matter what's going to happen. And then he gives us two images for the present. He gives us two images for the present. He says that God is the Father. See, Savior is the past and hope is the future and God as Father is for right now. It's to say, look, you want to know how God wants to relate to you right now? God wants to relate to you as father. He is not just, he's not just this kind of big guy in the sky. He's not just this force or this, this higher power or this universe. It's something much more personal than that. God reveals himself as father. And look, I know a lot of you didn't have good fathers. That's, I mean, I, I know that from conversation. I know that from experience. I know that from stats. Okay, so when you hear the word father, you can go, I don't want God as father. But think about the father you did want. Think about the father that maybe you see on movies or that you, always, you saw a friend had, the father you did want. God doesn't reveal himself as your father. He reveals himself to you as the father, the perfect father of what a father was always supposed to be. And he says, I want to relate to you like my kid. See, in the life that you are living right now, I'm not just God. I'm not just this all-powerful being. I, I want to bring you into my family. I want you to actually have a relationship with me that the, the good news of the gospel, the gospel means good news. And the good news, what, what's so good about the good news is we actually get God, that we get a father, not just some higher power, not just some entity, Paul says, here's who God is. He's, he's Father. And then he gives us one, one last image also for the present. He says, God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our Lord. Now again, Savior's for the past. Hope is for the future. Father and Lord are for right now. And some of us might go, man, I'm cool with Jesus as Savior. Like, I want that sin forgiven. I want that stuff dealt with. I, I say, yeah, Jesus saved me. Maybe there's even a past life that you look at and go, man, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of that stuff. I don't like that that stuff is there, but I'm so thankful Jesus is Savior. And maybe some of us really lean into the idea that God is our hope, that Jesus is our hope. We say, man, I am anxious. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but if I can believe that he is my hope, I want that. And Father, even, that can feel really relational and go, yeah, I want that. I want kind of, I want this personal relationship with God. I want that. But Lord starts to freak us out a little bit, right? Lord starts to be the thing that you're going, I don't know if I want a Lord in my life. Like there's a lot of people that maybe had broken homes and they'd say, I want a father in my life. But there's not a lot of people going, man, you know what I'm missing? A Lord. That's what I'm missing. I'm really missing a Lord in my life. Somebody to tell me what to do. I really would like a Lord. But Jesus reveals himself as Lord. He reveals himself for the today, for the present, for the decisions that you are facing, for the things that you, listen, for the things that you're unsure. Do I want to bring that to him? Do I want to let him command me, lead me, 
direct me? Or do I just want to feel his presence? Do I just want to feel his forgiveness? Or do I want to let him actually tell me what to do? That's Lord. And Paul says, Paul says, look, I, wanted, I, want, I want you to experience life stronger than it is now. I want you to experience life better than it is now in every area. But to do that, you have to let God be the one that changes your life, influences your life, speaks into your life. But to want to even do that, you have to know who he is. And here's who he is, Paul says. He's the savior for your past. He's the hope for your future. He is the Father and the Lord for right now. You want life to be better. You want it to be stronger. That's how you have to start. You have to start with, okay, I'm just assessing right now, right? I'm evaluating right now. Who is this God? Here's who Paul says he is. But, but we need to know more than just who he is. We need to know what he actually wants in our life. What, what does God want in our life? That might be who he is, but what does he actually want? Okay, he's Father. Okay, he's Hope. He's Savior. He's Lord. What, what does he want? If I'm going to let him be the one that leads my life, I know what I want for my life, right? You know what you want for your life. You know the hopes you have, the dreams you have, the desires you have. You know the wishes that you have. You know the things that you want to change. What does he want for your life? If you, want to, if you, if you submit to somebody, if you let them be the voice that influences you, you want to know first, what do you actually want? Like, what do you, what do you, what, what's, what's in it for you? What is it that you actually want me to experience? Paul says that he is writing this letter by the command of God. He says he's an apostle by the command of God. And it follows then, he says, I'm writing this letter because God is commanding me to write this letter. God is commanding me to write a letter so that I will speak things into your life. Now, just think about that word that Paul begins with, command. I mean, that's not a positive word either, right? You don't think of command and positive connotations. If you just type in commands into Google Images, here's some of the types of things that are going to pop up. First, this, for you programmer people. I don't know what this is, this code. Who knows what it is? Some of you are reading it right now, right? But, but here, here's what this, even just this image of command, which is one of the first images that comes up, what is that? That implies this. Somebody telling something, some, well, someone, it's 2019, they have intelligence now, right? It's implying that someone, the computers, the robots, it's telling them what to do, and the person in charge commands it. It directs it. And that's what we think about when we think of commands, or here's one of the other popular images that comes up. Um, this stupid clip art image, but these people carrying this person. That's what we think about with commands, right? It's, hey, somebody that, is, that makes commands says, you take me somewhere that I want to go. If you have a boss and you say, yeah, that person's very commanding, you don't go, oh, I'd like, that sounds like a great boss. Right? You think of this image of someone that is forcing their subordinates to take them somewhere for them. Or this image uh, that comes up. And this person is one of the freakiest people I've ever seen. But um, they're pointing at this dog and they're, they're just kind of commanding them, telling them what to do. And the dog has this look of shame and I'm sorry and, you know, whatever it is. And the person's commanding them. Or if you type in commanding, this comes up. It's one of the top images, a person kind of yelling in a megaphone, holding cash, Right? And this guy with his briefcase looking sad and sullen. That's what we think of when we think of commands, right? 
So if we say this, look, what does God want to do in our life? You know what he wants? He wants to give you some commands. We don't go, that sounds great. I've been waiting for a Lord that would like to command me. That's not, that doesn't feel good to us. There's kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction, an intuitive sense of, I don't want to be commanded. And that's why there's all these negative connotations with it. But what, if, what do those commands lead to? What is it that, why does God want to command? What is it that he wants to bring about in our life? Why is there things that God asks us to do? Why is there things that he says? What is it that he wants to happen in your life? Here's what Paul says. He gives us some images. First, he says this, grace. He says there's some things that God wants to bring into your life. You know what the first one is? Grace. Now, grace is an interesting word because here's what grace means. It implies that there's sin, right? Grace implies that there's something wrong. Grace doesn't mean everything is okay. Like when I asked my wife to marry me, if she said, why, why would you like to marry me? And I said, because I want to have grace on you. No one would go, that's romantic. I just, I feel really gracious to you and would like to marry you. You go, that's something, there's, grace says something's wrong. If you get your paycheck and it says, you don't deserve this, but we're giving you grace. You go, that's not, I don't feel good about that. But that's what grace implies. Grace says there is something wrong. Like if I say God wants to bring grace into your life, you got to break that down. You can't just go, oh, that feels really cute. That feels really fuzzy and warm. Grace says there's something wrong with us and God sees it. It says God sees your impatience. God sees your harshness. God sees your cowardice. God sees your lust. God sees your time wasting. God sees it. And he says, I want to bring love and favor into your life that you don't deserve. That's grace. See, what does God want to bring into your life? Paul says, look, God's got commands, but I need you to understand his heart. I need you to understand his heart. And it starts with grace. That God wants to bring forgiveness and undeserved favor into our lives. That's grace. A love that we haven't earned. A love that we can't say, well, yes, God is good to me because I did this. That's what God wants to bring into your life for every sin that is present. God says, I want to meet that with grace. And then Paul says he wants to bring mercy into our life. Grace and mercy. And here's what mercy says. Mercy implies that life is difficult. See, mercy is God's love and his kindness in the middle of our trouble. Mercy says that life is hard. Mercy says that God understands that there's challenges in your life right now that you don't know what to do with. That there's parenting difficulty that you're really trying to navigate. That there's sickness in your life that you feel like, man, it's just kind of one after the other. That there's trouble and trials in your life that you say, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Mercy says, I see every difficulty. Mercy says, I know that you are weak, but I am strong. Mercy says there is so much wrong and hard in your life and I'm not telling you to buck up and get over it. Mercy says, I see it. I know it's okay to struggle. Mercy says, I see the pain. Mercy says when you're crying on your bed that God says, I see it. 
and I want to help. Mercy sees when you're stressed out and you are just feeling maybe even panic attacks or anxiety and fear. Mercy says, God looks at you and says, I want to help. That's mercy. See, mercy says this, that life isn't easy. Look, I know it's 2019. I know it's the new year. I know we're going to have a big party. But here's the reality. Life isn't easy. You know what I kind of find funny or interesting, at least, um, is that every, every year uh, for the last several years, kind of when, when the next kind of year rolls around, people look at the last year and they're like kind of, peace out, 2018, good riddance. It was, you know, finger to you and, you know, all that. It's like, hey, this was the worst year ever, but I'm moving on. You know, 2018 was so bad. 2019, here we come. And there's like all these, you've seen these different memes that are out there, like me at the start of 2018, me at the end of 2018, right? You've seen these things. And it's, it's a Teletubby next to Fritos, you know, that don't mess your childhood up. Uh, and, and it's just kind of like, hey, two, it's, the next year is going to be better, right? That's the mentality. But these memes have been around forever. Me at the start of 2017, me at the end of 2017. Me at the beginning of 2016, me at the end of 2016. Me at the beginning of 2017, me near the end of 2015. Right? This is always the thing. And, and it's, it kind of implies this. Life was hard last year, but it's going to get better. Life was, man, I had some challenges last year, but it's going to get better. Let me tell you this. Life's not going to get better. You're like, what the heck? That's not what you're supposed to hear at church. <laughs> well, that's what you're hearing here. Life's not going to get better. It might, but I can't guarantee that for you. And I do think if you just look at our memes and our, like, look at your own, go back in your own Facebook history. You know, go back in your own Twitter history. You probably felt at the beginning of each year, man, that year was rough, but it's going to get better. That year was rough, but it's going to get better. Life is hard, but here is, what, here is what the Bible says. Here's what God wants in your life. He, it's not, it doesn't just say life's going to get better. God never promises you that 2019 is going to be the year of awesomeness for you. But what God does promise you is mercy, which means I will be present, and I will help, and I will be there for you, and I will be with you. And every tear that you cry, I don't ignore and every fear and anxiety and stressed out moment that you have, I don't disdain. And every trouble and trial that you experienced that you thought was going to get better and didn't, I know and I'm going to be there. That's mercy. And that's something better than just saying, life's going to be awesome, life's going to get better. It's saying, no, look, God's going to be with me. And the God that he has been is the God that he will be. That is what mercy says. Mercy says, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. Maybe 2019 is the best year ever. And maybe it's the worst year ever, but I still have the best God ever. That's what mercy says. What does God want to bring into your life? He wants to bring grace. He wants to bring mercy. And he wants to bring peace. This is the last thing Paul says. Grace, mercy, and peace from God. See, here's who God is. He's, he's the Savior. He's the hope. He's the Father. He's the Lord. And what does he want to do in your life? He wants to bring grace that meets every sin and mercy that meets every trouble and peace that meets every chaos. See, what peace implies is that life is kind of a mess. Peace implies that life is kind of chaotic. 
Peace implies that there's relational difficulty, mainly. Peace implies that all of our relationships are not what we want them to be. That there is drama in our relationships currently. That maybe there's drama from the past. See, peace implies that our relationships are not perfect. That our relationships are one of the greatest causes of our opposite of peace. Of our stress and our anxiety and our turmoil. That our marriages and our kids and our friendships and our coworkers and our boss, that relationships which make up so much of our life are often a big point of the chaos in our life. A big point of the turmoil in our life. The pain in our life. Paul says, you know what God wants to bring into your life? You know what he wants for you? Peace. He wants to bring peace. That might be reconciliation of relationships that have been broken. That might be restoration. That might be in your own heart and life, the ability to forgive. So even where relationships cannot be restored, there's forgiveness that takes place. God wants to bring peace into your life. Here's what it means. It means that God sees all the relational difficulty that you have. He's not shocked by it. He's not like waking up in the morning and going, what? You got drama with that person? He's not baffled by, he's not confused by it and going, oh, wait, wait, don't text that. Don't, no, 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 okay, wait, let me think. He's not, he's not doing that. Like God wants to bring peace into your life and he's not shocked by the drama or confused by the drama. He says, look, I know this is where you've been, but that's not where you have to be. I know that there's been turmoil and maybe even, look, maybe even today in this room, maybe even the person that you're sitting next to Your hope, your desire is that there would be more peace. And listen to me. God says, I know where you've been and I know where you can be. I know what it's been like and I know what I can do. That's peace. That's what God wants to do in your life. So what does God want? He wants grace. He wants mercy. He wants peace. All of those things say that when God looks at us, he knows we don't have it together. Like those are beautiful Christian-sounding, church-sounding words, grace, mercy, peace. But you see underneath that, it implies God sees the stuff that's wrong. And he wants to bring about change. He wants to make your life stronger, better, different than it is now. So here's our last question is, how can we let God lead us in that way then? Uh, We're assessing life, right? We want life to be different. We want it to be better. We want it to be stronger. We're assessing, who do I listen to? What voice do I want to let influence me? Do I want it to be God all the way? Like, do I want to put all my chips on the table of, okay, God, you, you tell me what to do? Because what we want is somebody that really wants good for us and has the character and ability to bring about change. Like your mom wants good for you, but that doesn't mean that she's like, and I'm an expert at everything and I'll fix it. We have some people that want good for us, but doesn't mean that, that they're like wise enough or have the ability enough to bring about change. And there might even be some people that have the ability to bring about change, right? They're the experts. They've got the books. They've got the TED Talks. They've got all that stuff, but, but they, don't, they, don't, they don't know you. They don't, they're not like, man, I really want good for you. You tweeted them and they didn't tweet back, right? They're like, what? Come on. But God is somebody that says, I want good for you in your life. And I've got the expertise, the character, that I'm the Father, Lord, Savior, hope that can actually change you. So how do we let him lead us? 
How do we actually let him be the one that influences our life? And here's what Paul says. It goes back to how he starts it. Paul says he is an apostle, a messenger, a sent one, that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, which means that all that he is doing, all that he is writing here is from God's command. Now, here's, here's what Paul is claiming. Here, here's what his claim is. And look, you've got to wrestle with this yourself. But here's what Paul is claiming. Paul is claiming that the Bible that he is writing right now, that the letter that he's writing right now, is God speaking. That's what his claim is. His claim is, look, I'm not just a guy that kind of is out here doing my preaching thing and my writing thing. I have been commanded by God to tell you this. That's what he's claiming. So how, how do we let God lead us? What Paul claims is the way you let God lead you is by listening to his voice and he is now speaking through me because I've been commanded by him to write this. Now here's, here's what you got to do with this. If this is not true, then it's very dangerous. Right? Anytime somebody claims God commanded me to do, I, I know a counselor. I know a counselor who is counseling somebody. And this counselor didn't give me names or anything like that, but just kind of broad details. But I know somebody that is counseling someone right now who God told to go kill his family. And it didn't, didn't happen, didn't go through with it, but the person is counseling him saying, look, let's talk about this. See, it's a very, and people, you look, you read the news, this happens all the time, right? There was a person that just got recently arrested in Texas that was going, he just said, where's the, where's the nearest church? I'm there, I'm going to fulfill the prophecy. It was going to shoot up everybody. Okay, so it's dangerous to claim. It's dangerous to claim God commanded me to tell you this, right? Those are dangerous things to claim. So when we listen to what Paul says, we should either go, dude, this guy's off his rocker. This guy's bonker. This guy, I don't want to, this guy's, I don't want to listen to him. Right? Our posture, if somebody says, God has commanded me to write you a letter, if that's how I open up my emails to you, if I, if I like intro my emails, God commanded me to write this email, you should delete it. Don't even archive it. Delete it. Like, well, archive it for like the authorities later, but just get rid of it. God commanded me is not a good intro, and yet that's the intro Paul has. So you either look at, I mean, you either look at that and say, this dude is wild. He's crazy. And you should probably then reject what he says, even the parts that you're kind of like, that's interesting. You should go, but he also said he's commanded by God and should just throw it out, baby and bathwater, all of it out. Or we got to assess it and say, what if it's true? What if that's actually true? And you might be a Christian you might claim to be a Christian, but look, if you're honest, your posture towards the Bible isn't, these are God commanding me. Often the posture is, look, I'm going to curate the things that I kind of like and the things I'm not sure about. We put ourselves kind of in the expert mode of, this was probably from God, this was not from God. But I'm saying you throw it all out because it's crazy for someone to claim that? Or what if it's true? You know, what, you know what it means if it's true? It means we should listen. You know what it means if it's true? If the Savior wants to speak to me, I think about the, the images of what Paul says that God is. If the Savior wants to speak to me, and I want to listen. 
if the hope wants to promise to me, man, I, w- I want to trust him. If the Father wants to call to me and influence me, man, I, I want to embrace him. If the Lord wants to command me and say, this is good and this is not good and this is right and this is wrong and come with me. If the Lord wants to command, then I want to submit to him. Because if this is actually God, then, I, man, who you will become who you listen to. And if God actually wants to speak with me, if God actually wants to influence my life, who would you become? Maybe there's some good things in your life that have come because you really submitted yourself to a certain authority. You submitted yourself to a finance guru. You submitted yourself to a health guru. You submitted yourself to a marriage counselor. And maybe you've submitted yourself to an authority and life has gotten better. Who would you become? What kind of life would you have? What areas of your life would be stronger than they are now? If you were to say, God, command me, influence me, speak to me. So here's what this means as we close. If you wrestle with this, like, I mean, I did. I wrestled for a long time, man, is the Bible from God. If you wrestle with that, don't just wrestle with it. Explore it. Talk to me, talk to some of our other leaders here and go, I want to actually explore that. Because you come out on the other side of that, you have a great confidence to say, man, I'm listening to God. Or if you don't, you have a great confidence to go, I don't need to listen to that. That's freeing too. Explore. It means this, if you, if you believe this, if you say, okay, yeah, I believe that, but maybe I'm kind of holding it loosely. You know what it means? Read the Bible. Here's your 2019 resolution. Read the Bible, not to just go, okay, what am I supposed to do? But to say, I want to know that God. I want to know that God. And I want to see what he wants to bring into my life. We have a, uh, it was mentioned in the announcements, we have a class coming up in a couple weeks. How to hear from God, how to read the Bible, actually understand it. Let God speak into your life. And I would encourage you to, to take that. It means getting an LTG. We, we have, you know, some of you I know are new, but some of you are in community groups already. Maybe have been on the fence of do I want to get in a life transformation group or not. But this is where you actually are able to read the Bible with other people and see God begin to change your life. And here's the last thing it means. If you want to let God be the voice influencing you, then bring every area of your life to him. Let's even just make it a little more specific. Bring, let's just let the Holy Spirit do something here, ready? Bring that area of your life to him. The one that's coming to your mind right now. Bring that to him and say, okay, if you're Savior, if you're Hope, if you're Father, if you're Lord, I want you to speak to it. I want you to influence it. I want you to tell me what to do. Not because I just want to do my duty, but because I believe that you want good for me and you will make my life stronger than it is now. I want you to have a stronger life, stronger faith, stronger friendships, stronger marriage, stronger hope, stronger emotional life. I want that for you. And that's why we're exploring this book together is what does it look like to let God influence us in that way. And when we come and take communion, what we are remembering is that Jesus, our hope, our Savior, that God came into this world. 
His body was broken. His blood was shed to bring about all the things, grace for us through forgiving our sin, mercy for us through entering our world and identifying with us, peace for us through healing our broken relationship with God and beginning to reconcile us to one another. And so when we take communion, we celebrate this God, all that he came to do to bring about this in our lives. So would you pray with me as we enter a time of communion and song? Father, I thank you that you want so much good for us in our lives. You know every heart and mind in this room. You know where people need grace in the sin that they have in their life. You know where people need mercy in the difficulty and the struggle that they have in their life. You know where people need peace with the relationships. And God, you want good for us. You see, you, man, God, you want so much more for us than even our pity little resolutions can create. You want us to thrive and flourish. That is the God that you are, and you've proven it in Jesus. And we thank you for that. Help us now, even as we take communion and sing, to see more clearly who you are. Let these truths rest in our hearts, Jesus. Amen.